Welcome to the Insurance Brokers Podcast with your host, Sarah Myerskoff. This business podcast is for ambitious brokers determined to grow their business. Our guests are highly experienced industry experts and innovators. This is the place to leverage their success, learn how to break through barriers to growth, and discover a community of support and ideas whilst growing your business. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Insurance Brokers Podcast. On today's episode, we're delighted to be speaking to Chris Luca and John Dunn of Luca Rowe. Both Chris and John have extensive experience across the insurance industry, and we're delighted to be talking to them today about the challenges of 2020, strategic growth planning, and niche markets. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, John. Thank you ever so much for joining me on the Insurance Broker Podcast. It's great to have you here. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for inviting us along. Nice and bright, sunny morning it is, although it was raining about 10 minutes ago. So it's one of those days, I suspect. So you guys are Luca Rowe, and I would really love to hear a bit about Luca Rowe, the background. Tell me, tell me, Chris, where did Luca Rowe come from and what's your journey been like? Well, my father started Luca Rowe actually with uh, with with Simon Rowe back in uh, 1989. I joined in '93. I think business went through some bumpy patches because Simon Rowe died quite tragically in uh, in 1996. So yeah, my dad and I had to you know keep the business going for a, a period of time, but we got through that. Funnily enough, we kind of started the business started more or less in a recession. Uh, we find ourselves in another one now gone through probably a couple in the in, in the interim as well but no we've done well that's incredible um chris tell me you've bought a few businesses as well haven't you bought our first business in uh, in 2000 bought another one in 2006 and grew organically at the same time so um and again bought one in 2016 2019 uh, moved to new premises a couple of years ago so to carry on the expansion yeah that's incredible, really incredible. So, how big are you now? How many sort of employees are you? And uh, we're a team of thirty-eight at the moment. We've just uh, just taken on, I think, three new recruits. So that kind of brings us back up to uh, back up to thirty-eight, eighty million of, of premium. You know, broadly, you know, we have a personal lines team focuses on the high net worth uh, SME, and then we move into the kind of mid corp and the corporate stuff. Uh, we have some specialisms within that. You know, we, we do some, we do a lot of construction, a lot of property owners um, and a lot of manufacturing. And we also have uh, a niche in the audiovisual and events industry. It's incredible to be still looking at expansion when you're in difficult times, like we're in at the moment, you've just mentioned um, going to, into recession. How have you found the onboarding of, of people during this year? Well, actually, we, we, we opened the office, uh, so we've done a couple of bubbles after the initial uh, lockdown. So we worked on a Monday-Tuesday bubble and a Wednesday-Thursday-Friday bubble. And it's okay to onboard people into that environment. Onboarding in a lockdown environment is something uh, new to us, and we have two members of the team that we will be onboarding in a lockdown environment, which will be uh, a different set of challenges. But um, uh, we're confident that the team will rise to it and that they'll be successfully onboarded. From what we've, you know, discussed in previous conversations, it's quite a close-knit team that you have there that, you know, everybody's kind of on board with each other, which sounds great. And that's, I suppose, what you need in the environment that, that we're all living through at the moment. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're very much um, much bigger than the sum of our parts, and uh, you know, we're, we're very much a, a team-based business. We get on with each other. We we play outside of work. Those bonds are, are quite deep. Not from Thursday, though. <laughs> no outside of work play from Thursday. <laughs> and I can assure you that um, we will all be severely missing the Christmas party this year. Oh, absolutely. John, can you tell me your background and your introduction to Luca Rowe brings a whole different dynamic, doesn't it? So I'd be really interested if you can give us a bit of background on you, how you came to join Luca Rowe and what you're kind of bringing to the party. Yeah, sure. I'm I'm a new entrant to uh, a relatively new entrant to Luca Rowe, having joined just over a year ago. But um, this is also my first move into broking. Prior to that, I spent uh, some time at Allianz and uh, I started my insurance career at uh, RSA. And my longer term background is is technical underwriting, then moving into more portfolio management and then laterally into more more general management roles. Um, so I've I've made that uh, transition from from insurer to uh, to broker. It's been a good journey to make. I've also in in that time I guess gone from Allianz, one of the world's largest financial ser- services organisation, to to joining a much a much smaller business as well. And and that in itself has been a, a, a very rewarding journey for me. I can imagine that your sort of underwriting head and experience has been quite helpful during 2020 when you're sort of looking at what the insurers are thinking. And I know know a lot of the composite markets have been quite difficult to get hold of and new business has been a bit tricky. So I imagine you've been able to bring, you know, actually this is what's happening behind closed doors to those conversations. Yeah, certainly to, to a degree. And I think it's been useful to be able to understand what the insurers might be able to be going through and also to consider it from our side, so so I can offer both perspectives, and that that's helped in the the two way conversations with the insurers as well as as well as from our side. I think one of my my big insights in the move from insurer to broker is uh, on the insurer side. Certainly, my experience was if you've got a really solid client facing proposition and some good trading underwriters, and um, you get a good flow of business coming in. But on the broking side, it's it's been a real learning for me just how difficult it is to win new customers. And um, really, it, you can know people, um, you can make a connection, but really winning that business and, and getting it over the line is is a lot more challenging than I realized having looked from the other side. I think one of uh, a quote I wrote down from you, a John Dunn quote from one of our previous conversations was that it's not good enough to have a friendly face and a good proposition. You need even more, which is probably even harder to do in, in current times. And obviously, a lot of that is around the collateral you put out, the information you're giving your prospective audience, as well as your, your customer audience, your actual customers and things like that. How do you guys go about differentiating or um, sort of being that extra mile? I'll make a start on that. Um, we, our strategy and the way the business has been built, as Chris Chris outlined, is over time there's been strategic acquisitions that have added to the business, and that's that's brought volume. But also, what we we have a really clearly established propositions that we we bring out to our different customer groups, and we have a clear idea of who our ideal customer looks like, which really helps to focus the the approach we take to to winning business and retaining business. So that means that the proposition we deliver to our customers is is well thought out and that we 
we deliver it in a way that we we know our customers and we we know what they need. However, this year has presented its challenges. As Chris said, one of our one of our areas of specialism is in the audiovisual and events industry, which has effectively been been shut down for for the past seven months. And um, going into the second lockdown, the outlook doesn't look great there either. So so that has meant we've had to focus on some slightly different things. And that means really looking for referrals, recommendations, cross-sell, upsell opportunities within our own book. And that has been really strong for us throughout this year. We've also taken this opportunity this year to really think about how we can do some things a bit better. And so at the beginning of September, we refreshed our brand and have started the rollout of a refreshed brand, which just brings a bit more of a modern identity to what's already a really well-established brand. We do quite a lot in our local environment um, in terms of sports sponsorship, sponsorship at schools. And in the past, or recent past, we perhaps haven't made the best of some of those opportunities. So we've refocused again there and plugging in with the the local community is a a key component of how we're going to focus on growth for, for the coming period. I think uh, focus is, you know, you've mentioned that quite a lot in terms of your target market, you're focused on who they are, you're focused on what they need. And um, it's the rifle, not scattergun approach, really, isn't it? And I think that focus is critical in today's environment. And going forward, it always has been, but it is even more necessary to be efficient and to get through um, what I think is going to be quite a hard uh, few years coming. You've both mentioned that you've, um, that you, you know, you've got audiovisual niche you've got some other niches that you work across what niches in addition to what you've already said have you found have really struggled in covid and what sort of things are you guys able to do to help and what areas do you think actually maybe haven't struggled and, and might continue to grow well i guess one obvious thing is is wherever a business has assets that they need to be covered so uh, so that kind of maintains and, and in a hardening market that that is potentially an area for growth what else has struggled? Um, construction has held up pretty well at the moment. That remains to be seen. Of course, we've got Brexit around the corner. So how our manufacturers are going to uh, uh, hold up in that environment, again, is, uh, is another unknown. John, any other, any other sectors that, that you think have struggled or, or done particularly well? I think another area of real, real struggle has been the restaurant sector or, or suppliers to the, uh, to the food and drinks industry. And in, in some ways, there's a there's a double challenge there as we're also starting to see a reduction in the availability of capacity for some of those sectors as well. So it is a it's very much a, a challenged area, and that's where for all brokers, really being close to your customers, making timely contact, knowing your customers, and being early in the conversations with the insurers as well. To if there is bad news coming in terms of the availability of capacity it is about the early conversations that that really make the difference yeah i think um hardening market and all the problems that come with it and 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 just having to hold on to your current client base is it's going to be a much more volatile space isn't it that you know current clients you know these guys have been with us for years it's great but they're going to be attacked from all different sides because everybody is in is in this position at the moment and and price is going to be critical and also quite a difficult factor going forward. What do you think is going to happen? What do you, th- you know, talk global economy over the next two to three years, where do you think we're going to be? What are your global predictions? Well, I, I think a lot depends on what happens with, uh, with Brexit, actually, for the UK economy. Globally, 
Yeah, honestly, if I had a crystal ball, who knows? And look, we're, we're, the whole world is going to be suffering. You know, the whole of Europe is suffering. The UK is suffering. Uh, and that, that means that our clients are going to be shrinking, not growing. And if our clients are shrinking, then the likelihood is that we'll shrink with them, actually, for a period of time until the growth starts to return. You know, it, it is cyclical, but um, it's going to be a tough couple of years. It hasn't played out. COVID hasn't played out fully in the United States yet. It's, uh, it's getting worse in Europe. And then China has been very quiet. I don't even know what's going on in China as far as COVID is concerned. Yeah, no, it's going to be a challenging, a challenging couple of years. Mm, I think so too. So challenge, opportunity, discuss. But one of the, I know you guys mentioned that you have done a number of acquisitions over the last 10, 15 years, 20 years, if yeah, 20 years, 2000, you said your first one was, didn't you? There's lots of activity in the consolidator market at the moment. I wake up to emails every day talking about who's bought who. What are you guys planning there well, we, we have conversations ongoing. We've had some conversations that have been you know, going on for years uh, that haven't necessarily yet come to fruition. But um, we, we've always very much been um, of the make an acquisition, bring it into our business, integrate it both in terms of the systems and culturally embed it after for a couple of years and then go and look for another one, actually. And you know, you, organic growth is, um, you know, is a must. You know, we're, we're constantly looking for organic growth. And, you, you, you know, you have to have that, that organic growth. But an acquisition makes just quite a big difference in your, uh, in your growth journey. And if you can plug one of those in every, every couple of years, then that's a really big part of our strategy. And obviously, it's quite a different story for the acquired broker, isn't it? In terms of if they're going to one of the big consolidators, it'll be a very different story to coming to, for example, somebody like Luca Rowe. One of the points Chris made there was about culture. And we have, we have some really strong, strong core values within our business. And we use those for all recruitment decisions. And we also use them to, to inform uh, placement decisions and, and really all aspects of our business and our strategy and in looking for potential acquisition targets that cultural fit is is really really important we've been very fortunate the last acquisition that uh, that the team made we couldn't have asked for a better cultural fit and they slipped in seamlessly into to our team and we've had a real meeting of minds and approach about how to to go about things and I think that's that's a really key cornerstone for anyone that we were speaking to. And and if there wasn't that cultural fit, then we wouldn't proceed because without it, the difficulties that come up in the normal normal course of integrating a business just become so much more difficult if if the perspectives and the approach are completely different. Yeah, the cultural piece has quite a, it's becoming more prevalent, isn't it? I say prevalent, I probably mean more understood in terms of the effects that that can bring together. So you guys looking at your acquisition, what do you look for? Do you look for a geographical spread? Do you look for a different niches? When you're looking at a target in addition to the culture, what else are you considering? Yeah, we'll, you know, we'll look at uh, geographics because, you know, I, I say this, this has been our strategy until now. So that, that doesn't necessarily mean it will stay that way. But um, yeah, geography clearly plays a part. If, we, if we're going to bring them into our, into our premises, into our office, then, then geography is important in that. You delve into all sorts of things, you know, it's, it's, it's what the business is made up of, you know, how it's split, how much, how much personal lines you've got in there, um, how connected that personal lines is, what is the mainstay, is there, a, is there a specialism, is there a niche in there, 
yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a whole piece. It's a whole piece that helps you decide whether it's the right business for you. Just to flip it on the other side, how does it affect Lucaro if one of the big consolidators buys in your geographical area? Is it good sort of picking ground for staff or, you know, new business or, or is it a difficulty, a challenge? I think it probably throws up both of those things, actually. Um, I think it presents an opportunity because there, there may be some some uh, disenchanted account execs who, who maybe don't, you know, maybe don't see the world in the same way that they did uh, uh, before the deal happened. And that throws up some opportunities. Maybe that business has taken its eye off the ball whilst that process has been going on. Maybe some op- opportunity to, to pick up some business. By the same token, um, somebody on your doorstep, you know, maybe they'll turn some eyes in your own business as well. So it, it creates both. Yeah, absolutely. Is there, uh, in terms of what you guys are offering, I know we've had conversations about this before, but you guys have quite a good staff development program and, and sort of building up your staff base, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, in terms of development, we are proactive in the way that we, we look to develop our staff. We refreshed our approach to performance management this year that brings a real focus on the development conversation aspect of that as well. So it's not just about the the core metrics. It's also about making sure a conversation takes place around how the individual wants to develop and then what we can do as a business to be able to support that. Um, We're very proud to be charter brokers and we encourage all of our staff to undertake the CII qualifications and provide support for that. And that's something that we like to talk about to our, our clients as well, because it really underpins the, the professionalism. And we feel that that professionalism combined with the core values that sit so strong within our business um, does mean that we do have a connected and engaged group of people within the team. Yeah, I, I'm just going to add to that. Um, we've got some very wise old heads and, you know, some, some people who have been right around the block, probably including myself, but we also have people who are just starting out on their insurance broking journey. And it's about, you know, them being able to suck up as much of that experience as they can from the older guys, which actually has been a challenge in, in COVID. You know, you talk about onboarding people and, and you know, you, you learn so much from being around people in the office and, and, and that, that passing on of knowledge almost, almost um, unconsciously, actually. And in a, in a home working environment, that, that becomes far more of a challenge and you have to work much harder at it. But, um, but yeah, no, we, we, we have a very supportive, a very supportive environment for learning and, and developing a career. In terms of your overall growth aspirations, have you got like a five-year plan, double the size, increase book X, book Y? How do you go about that? And how's COVID impacted that? We do, yes, yeah. We have, uh, we have. Uh, I think we. I mean, we set a ten-year plan. I think that was three years ago. We we review that annually and, and track to it every quarter. And and yeah, we we set our ten-year plan to get to forty million pounds of GWP by twenty twenty-seven. I think. I think it's fair to say that that, that COVID has put a, a a dent in those plans, but. Um, but yeah, no, we're, we're you know we're we're focused on uh, on getting there. And where were you three years ago in terms of GWP? And I know you mentioned you're about eighteen million now. I don't know, fourteen something like that. So the trajectory, COVID notwithstanding, has been pretty good, which is sort of underpinned by focus. It's what we were talking about earlier on, which is incredible. And I think 
because I speak to lots of people, lots of brokers actually about business and tactics and strategy and, and, and marketing and sales and all of these wonderful things. And I think that focus is what underpins every success in so many ways. And it's incredible when you really, really say to somebody, okay, I, I hear what you're saying. Where's the focus? Where's the focus? I think it's really interesting. So Boston Tullis, we, we're now 18 months old. Um, so newbies, but we all moved into the office. We're all working from home. We all moved into an office this year, only in the last couple of months. And the, the trajectory has just taken off in a way that I could never have anticipated prior to that. And it's, it's that sitting in an office and vibing off each other and learning from each other. And, you know, I think it's incredible. That focus bit for me really manifests itself in, in two areas, one being our people and the other being our clients, and particularly at a time like this, hopefully by listening to and supporting our clients and and giving them what they need in insurance terms to be able to keep going, whether that be a reduced form of coverage or a more of a price-sensitive approach during this time. The hope is that as we emerge out of this, whenever that may be, whatever that might look like, that as that client then gets on its trajectory for growth again, that we benefit from that. What have you done to support your AV clients during COVID, knowing that they're one of the hardest hit niches that you guys have? Okay, well, we've been very, very um, caring. We've given return premiums back as soon as we've been able to do that. We're just talking to them all the time. We've just taken the view that, look, if we part, we part on, on good terms because these guys are going to come back in the future. So, you know, we've, we've, pretty much accepted that that type of that side of the business is going to take a hit we'll take the hit in the short term and we'll be there for them in the long term makes a lot of sense question i always ask everybody and is obviously how we started talking is around the sales and marketing strategic planning that you guys have in place how if at all have you had to pivot that through covid and what is your broad marketing strategy one of the areas I mentioned earlier is around the referrals, the recommendations and the cross-sell and the upsells. And that that really has become much more of an important area throughout this. In the past, we've been quite active in the area of telesales. And actually, earlier on in this, we saw that was one of the key areas that was most impacted was the ability to, to then win over and, and convert in a remote environment, in a Zoom environment. We've got teams that were very used to building their relationships through face-to-face meetings and going to clients' premises and, and really building that, that intimacy and that relationship with the clients in that environment. I think there are signs that that is starting to change now. And the longer this goes on, I think people are becoming more used to, to using Zoom. I think in the middle phase, there was, a, there was a pushback against it. But there are some small signs now as we go into the second lockdown, that there may be an opportunity for telemarketing again. And we've refocused our approach there. And we've really refocused on on the type of clients that we're looking to focus on there, those that we feel we can can really make a difference and, and add value. So we've really refined that criteria to make sure that that it's the best customer for us, but it's also where we can we can add our expertise. Just talking on the reason I thought of the question was uh, your comment, Chris, in reference to the AV niche. 
do you develop sort of support, business support collateral that you can send to your clients or prospects? So when when we're talking about the AV particularly, I was thinking about, yes, we might have lost you on good terms, but actually I'm still going to keep in touch with you because I'm still going to, you know, this particular information that's very relevant to your sector, I'm going to send it over to you. Or we've got this particular expertise that's come out from another client. It might be of value to you. Do you have any processes around the sort of business support advice collateral that you send to prospects and customers? We're very proud to, to be in uh, one of the, the top tier of insurance providers for the audiovisual and events industry. And that means we've built quite a strong profile in that sector. We also have recognised experts within our team. And in fact, this week, um, one of our team is, is hosting his own uh, podcast uh, webcast on on the insurance impacts for the audiovisual and events industry. We're also active in the, the newsletter and we partner with, with industry organisations so um, that we do have an input into the discussion on the key topics facing, facing the different sectors. Whilst the AV and events industry has been absolutely devastated by this, there are some, some really good examples of innovation throughout this, whether that be in the, the way that people look to deliver concerts in a socially distanced way, or the way people are refocusing their businesses. And we have one new new business in that sector as well, despite there being very little going on. So there are some real encouraging signs and some great examples of, of innovation uh, that should hopefully sustain that side of the business when things turn around. That's really good to hear because you guys said that you've just been through a rebrand and just modernizing a few things. And being on things like webcams and podcasts, podcasts particularly, is such a modern thing now that it's an incredible thing to uh, to be jumping on. So that's awesome. So I think that's been incredibly interesting to hear a bit about you guys, particularly about your growth strategy and your acquisition model and, and, and how incredible things are going there. I think maybe to end on a good note, I would love to hear why, if I'm an insurance broker and I'm looking to jump out, why should I sell to you guys? Go. Well, number one, I think, is, has got to be our, our culture we're nice people to do business with actually um and um we blend the um the good parts of a family business with um with the more slightly corporate stuff of a larger organization you know, we've we've got a, a really good um a really good blend of the two we've done it before we've successfully bought four businesses and absorbed a couple of other books into there as well we know what we're doing uh, we have a system we have a process to do it and actually it's it's a comfortable journey with us if you were to speak to the guys who have just bought, I think they'll agree that it's been a comfortable journey. And that's what we aim to do because of our culture. I'm sold. Fabulous. <laughs> On that note, guys, I'd like to thank you both very much for your time. It's been really interesting chatting to you. And uh, I do wish you all the very well for onboarding two, two people during lockdown. I'd love to hear how it goes and what lessons learned. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having us. We do hope you've enjoyed the Insurance Focus podcast. That's it for our series one. Please look out for our new, exciting and slightly different series two, beginning early 2021. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have enjoyed what you have heard, have any questions or feedback, please leave us a review and we will be sure to get back to you. If you would like further information on how Boston Tullus Group can support your business, or if you would like to join us on an episode, please do not hesitate to contact us.